0: The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and we're going to be in 17 through 40. You can be turning there. I do want to tell you this week, um, I was thinking about intentionally this month, being thankful. Many of you do this. My sister does this thing every November where every day she's thankful for a different thing. As I was writing that down, I get distracted really easy and uh, something popped up on my phone. I looked on Twitter and asked the question, if you could speak to any crowd, who would you want to speak to any crowd in the world? And as I read it, I thought, you know, I'm not really interested in speaking to a crowd, but but I just thought about this group of people uh, that our leaders get to minister to friends and family that are Temple Bible Church, I thought about Charlie and Vivian, who were in Brazil for 40 years and sharing the gospel there, doing theological education there, and then they came back and have just served the church. And James and Gladys, people who were planting, helping to be part of this first church, Temple Bible Church, when I was being born. I thought about young people, Ashley Butte, who has served our youth and been part of our college ministry and is preparing to go to Japan I thought about Alex and Sarah and who've served here with Call to Play and in Launchpad and now are headed to Germany. I thought about Merrick Reyes, just all the different friends that my wife and I have developed over the years at TBC. And in a year where there's a lot to be saddened by, there's also a lot to be thankful for. So this month, take time to be thankful and want to say on behalf of our leadership, we are grateful for you Temple Bible Church. Well we're in 1 Corinthians 7. Last week Pastor Tim walked us through the first section of this chapter and I would remind you of, kind of what he said last week in chapter or in verse 1 concerning the matters about which you wrote to me. So in 1 Corinthians, he's written to them about wisdom and power and how the crucified Messiah really exemplifies what wisdom and power are and confound the ways of the world. He's written to them about unity. He's written to them about different sin issues that they deal with. And then in chapter 7, he answers a question that they've asked. And it relates to singleness and marriage. There's this quote in verse 1. It, It's good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, they said, but then Paul says, but because of the temptation, the sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. And then we're going to jump down in our section where Paul continues to respond to this letter they've written, starts in verse 17, and I want to give away what I'm going to tell you today, only let each person lead the life the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. So whether you're single or married today, Paul would tell you today, like he was gonna tell the church in Corinth, follow Jesus right here and right now. Follow Jesus in whatever status you're in and whatever state you're in. Follow Jesus day after day after day. My, My youngest son is named after a guy named William Carey. William Carey, was a missionary to India. He went over to India, scoped it out, and he and his wife went back. And shortly after they arrived, one of their children died. She was pushed into severe depression as a result of this. He lived with the angst and the pain of that. And over his life, he translated scripture into 40 language groups for people in India. He planted over 300 churches, founded several colleges. And he said... If after my removal anyone should think it worth his while to write my life, I'll give you a criterion by which you may judge its correctness. If he gives me credit for being a plotter, he will describe me justly. Anything beyond this will be too much. I can plod, I can persevere in any definite pursuit. To this I'll owe everything that I can just keep going. I can follow Jesus and continue this work. And Paul is going to tell this. Whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're circumcised, whether you're uncircumcised, whatever state you find yourself, follow Jesus. So let's read in verses 17 through about verse 31. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity." For he who is called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man in the Lord. Likewise, he who is free when called is a slave of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. So brothers, in whatever condition each was called there, let him remain with God. Now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think in view of this present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. If you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles and I would spare you that. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, Let those who have wives live as though they had none. Let those who mourn as though they were not mourning. Let those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing. And those who buy as though they had no goods. And let those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with the world. For this present form of the world is passing away. Father, we pray today as we look in your word that it would be alive and active, that it would shape our thoughts, that it would shape the way that we think about life, that it would shape the way that we think about singleness and marriage. Direct us, Father, and help us to have understanding and help us to follow Jesus right here and right now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, part of Paul's answer to the church is they're wondering, because I've come to Christ, should I do something different? Should I do something different? And Paul's basic answer is no, follow Jesus, let each one live the life that he has been assigned. People are wondering if I'm going to be a real Christian, should I do this? If I'm going to be in Christ. Should I do this? And so here's what has happened. There are people who came to Christ and because they came to Christ and there's this Jewish heritage of Christianity, they thought, should I be circumcised? They got circumcised and now they're realizing I'm free in Christ. Should I have this reversed? And literally something you did not come to church wanting to know this morning, but in the first century, you could have a circumcision reversal and people did this. And i got to be honest with you, I don't need the Bible to know that sounds like a really bad idea. (laughs) Then there are other people who they're going, well, I'm in Christ, should I now, this is a Jewish religion, should I be circumcised? And Paul also says, no, that's a bad idea. Whatever status you're in, remain there. Follow Jesus right where you are. And then he asks this question about bond servants was anyone a bond servant when called do not be concerned about it but if you can gain your freedom avail yourself of the opportunity when we look in the scripture in the first century and we talk about bond servants I think there are two mistakes that we sometimes make when we talk about this and one is to equate a bond servant in the first century with a slave in American history and they're not the same they're not the same. So to not distinguish between them would be a mistake. The other thing people do is sometimes they treat a bond servant or they talk about a bond servant like it was just a regular employee like in the 21st century in America. And that's not correct either. These bond servants weren't like slaves as we know in American history. It was different. They were educators in charge of houses, trusted business managers, They could purchase their own freedom in many cases. And at the same time, they were serving people. They were bound. There were restrictions on them. And Paul says, do not be concerned. Remain where you are. If you can buy your freedom, do so. But remember, you were bought with a price. You were bought with a price. You have a new identity. So Paul is telling the church in Corinth, our identity is not defined by our status. It's defined by our Savior. Our identity is not defined by whether we're circumcised or uncircumcised, a bondservant or free, single or married. Our identity is not defined by our status. It's defined by our Savior. So he says, remain where you are with God because we've been bought with a price no matter what our status is, if it's the greatest of years or the worst of years, if we live right where we wanna live or if we'd rather be somewhere else, wherever we find ourselves, if we're in Christ, God is with us because of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is inside us. And so Paul's saying, remain where you are with God, follow Jesus right where you are, right here and right now right here and right now. And then Paul says, now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. This is a really interesting verse and it's a really important verse because you could read the next little section that we're gonna look at in 1 Corinthians 7 and you could say, this is the rule for everybody in every church in every time in every season. But see, content of Scripture without the context of Scripture can be meaningless. And so Paul sets context for us by saying, I don't have a command from the Lord. I'm answering your letter, and so I'm going to give you my judgment as as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy, and we're going to see this is his judgment. Chapter 7 is his judgment for this church in this context, in this time. He's responding concerning the matters about which you wrote. I have no command from the Lord, but I'm going to give you my judgment. And then he says, I think that in view of the present distress, it's good for a person to remain as he is. Well, this kind of begs the question, what is this present distress that the church in Corinth was either in or about to walk through? Some people will read this and read other kind of hints toward this hard time and say he's talking about the end times. But I'm going to tell you as you read it, I think there are three better options than that. I think he's speaking about something that was happening then. I'm not sure which it was, but I think it's possible it could be. Any one of these three. Some think it was the destruction of the temple that was coming in AD 70. Life as they knew it was going to be changed. The present form of the world was going to be changed. The temple's going to be destroyed. And it could have been that. It could have been that. Second, there's an emperor called Claudius. And in 1 Corinthians, is written right near the end of his reign. He reigned from 41 AD to 54 AD. And there's a famine toward the end of his reign, a famine that hits throughout the Roman Empire. And it could be that this present distress is the weight of this famine that's happening right near the end of the reign of Claudius. And then third is there was a Corinthian persecution that was coming. Is that the present distress that Paul is talking about in view of this present distress? I think it's good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek to be bound. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. He's gonna say later in this chapter, but I think it's better if you remain single. However, in 1 in Timothy, when he's writing Timothy, who's pastoring the church in Ephesus, he says, I would have the younger women marry, bear children, manage their households, give the adversary no occasion for slander. But in Corinth, In Corinth, he says, remain as you are, and the message is clear. Follow Jesus right here and right now. So what should the Corinthians do? Well, there are five things. One is to be content in your present state. Be content in your present state. Remain as you are. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But follow Jesus here and now. But if you marry, you haven't sinned. If a betrothed woman marries, she hasn't sinned yet. Those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. So, Paul's saying, do not have a fairy tale view of marriage. Do not have a fairy tale view of marriage. Marriage is beautiful, it's wonderful, it's a gift from God, and it's really, really difficult. And singleness is also beautiful and wonderful and a gift from God and can be really, really difficult. Some of you are single and you've never married. Some of you are single and you're divorced. Some of you are widowed and now you're single. And you know it can be a beautiful season of life and it can be a hard season of life. And marriage can be beautiful and wonderful and a picture of Christ in the church and it can be really really difficult. If you marry, you have not sinned yet. Those who marry will have worldly troubles and I would spare you that. I would spare you that. So Paul says, be content in your present state. Second, he says, don't have a fairytale view of marriage. And then third, Paul tells the church in Corinth to live with a sense of gospel urgency, live with a sense of gospel urgency. Paul says, this is what I mean, verse 29. He's just laying it out. This is what I mean. Brothers, the appointed time has grown very short. Something bad is about to happen. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none. And those who mourn as though they were not mourning and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing and those who buy as though they had no goods and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it for the present form of this world is passing away. Live with gospel urgency. It's true in this hard time for Corinth. It's true in hard times for us, but it's true all the time. I did a funeral this week. A lady had been living life a disease hits her body and much quicker than her family anticipated. She is gone from this life and in the presence of the Lord and it was a reminder that life is a vapor. It's a mist. 2020 has reminded us that in this appointed time, our lives are vapors. They're mist. We need to live with gospel urgency because our life is temporary. So what does that mean? Let those who have wives live as though they had none? Well, should I not treat my wife like we're married? No, that's not what it's saying live an undistracted life for the sake of the gospel. Live with gospel urgency. There are so many needs to be met in Christ, so many words to be spoken in Christ, and if you just look over the last six months, a lot of people who name the name of Jesus have have talked a lot more about who they want to be elected than they have about the fact that Jesus is Lord. We've talked a lot more about what's gonna happen Wednesday than the fact that Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead. And now, it's 2020, right? So the sky might actually fall this year. We've seen a lot, right? But I I don't think it's actually going to, no matter who's in office, I don't think Jesus sitting at the right hand of the throne of God is going to cease to be Lord, But we need to live with gospel urgency in this present time, just like the Corinthians did, because the present form of this world is passing away. So Paul says, live with gospel urgency, because life is temporary. Life is temporary. So he says to the Corinthians, I want you to be free from anxieties, The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord, but the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. I'm gonna tell you this is true. My wife went to Arkansas this weekend so that she and my daughter could find a wedding dress and five boys, myself included, all much less organized than she is, have been at our home. And I... And I was looking around our house yesterday evening, and there were candy wrappers where there shouldn't have been candy wrappers. There may or may not have been socks where there shouldn't have been socks, and shoes where there shouldn't have been shoes. And I thought, it will not please my wife if I do not get this more organized than it is. See, Paul says there will be distractions and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit, but the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. There are these moments where being single on mission because really they're in a first century frontline mission context. These can keep you undistracted. And I think about a couple of young men I know, a young lady I know that are on mission right now and they're doing great, great work for the Lord honoring him, exalting him, and they're right here and right now serving the Lord, sharing Christ with others, following Jesus. I also think about a young married couple I know. And Paul's wisdom is to live without preoccupation. I want you to be free from anxieties. I say this for your own benefit, verse 35, not to lay any restraint on you, but to promote good order and secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. So Paul says, live an undistracted life. Live an undistracted life. It's true if you're single. It's true if you're married. Verse 36, if anyone thinks he is not behaving properly toward his betrothed, if his passions are strong and it has to be, Let him do as he wishes. Let him marry. It's no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity, but having desire under control, has determined in his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. Paul says if you don't have this passion in you, that's an okay thing. But if you do, it's also an okay thing. And so as we look through history in most cultures, in most places, and in most times, a lot of people get married. It is a normal thing to do. And a lot of people remain single, and it's a normal thing to do. There have been seasons in the church where there was a stigma with Singleness. There have been seasons in the history of America where there was a stigma to singleness in Corinth for the Jew and the Greek. There was a stigma to singleness. Now, sometimes in America or in North America, there can be a stigma to being married and having kids. We had a family in our nine o'clock service. I remember they lived in Canada for a little while and they're out in the walk in their neighborhood, and somebody sees them walking with their five kids, and this guy in their neighborhood goes, Oh my gosh, you got five kids? You're obviously not from around here. You need counseling. We'll see, I have five kids, so I get why you might need counseling, right? But the reality is scripture says children are a blessing from the Lord or a reward from the God of Jacob. We don't get our moorings from culture about being married or being single, but we follow Jesus. We run to community. We don't wait for it to come to us, whether we're married or single. We run to the people of God and we pursue other people through service. You could read this and go, why get married? Why have kids? Why date at all? But as singles, we can live with undivided devotion to Christ, and as married people, we can mirror Christ and the church to culture. We can express Christ's love for the church, the church's response to Christ as a reflection through marriage. So whether you're single or whether you're married, you follow Jesus, you image God. We're fruitful people and we multiply, whether that happens through children being born, or whether that happens through disciples being made. It's not required. It's not the only way, but it's a good way. So what do you do? What do you do? I had a young man come to me several months ago and he said, Hey, there's a girl that I like and I I think I want to ask her out, but I'm not sure if I should and and some of 1 Corinthians 7 was influencing him and impacting him and I said well why would you like to ask her out? What's your motivation? And he said well I like her, I like being around her but really I'm wanting to follow Jesus and she's wanting to follow Jesus and our lives are headed in the same direction and following Christ and what I'd really like to know is if if we can follow Christ well together. And so if we date and we find out we can follow Christ well together, that would make a lot of sense. And if we find out we can't, then it wouldn't be a good idea to date. So do you think it's okay if I ask her out? Yeah, I think that's okay. Seemed like this kid had his head on his shoulders. It was really encouraging. Yes, it's okay. But Paul says in verse 39, a wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is free to marry whom she wishes. But only in the Lord. And there's a truth for us that we need to know today that in Christ, if we get married, we get married only in the Lord. We get married only in the Lord. We don't yoke ourselves with unbelievers. It doesn't work out well usually. It can cause pain. It can cause problems. If you get married, get married in the Lord. So if you wanna go about this, how do you do it? What does it look like? I gotta tell you, as I was thinking about what this might look like and how to apply this, I'll, I'll just confess what I thought is, I am so bad at application. I'm just so bad at application. And Gary the Salvo was so good at application. So I walked into Gary's office and got his file on 1 Corinthians 7 <laughs> and got his application. <laughs> and it's beautiful, he looks back at Genesis chapter 24 at the life of Isaac. And he kind of walks through Genesis 24 and what Abraham and Sarah did for Isaac, their son, as he was seeking this wife, Rebecca. And if you just kind of read through the chapter, we won't read through it, but I'll tell you in the first section of the chapter, there are two things. One, you listen to the wisdom of godly parents. If you've got godly parents who will walk with you through what it looks like to date and move toward marriage, listen to their wisdom. If you don't have godly parents, listen to the wisdom of godly people around you. While you honor your parents, listen to the wisdom of godly people around you. Number two, this family made marriage a matter of serious prayer. Moms and dads, pray for your children, pray for potential spouses, and if you move toward dating or marriage, make it a matter of serious prayer. Number three, Isaac, when he saw Rebecca, he looked at what she was doing and he saw how she was serving others. You consider the character you want And a spouse. Consider the character you want in a spouse. The world will tell you to look at the outside and God will tell you to look at the heart. Uh, Laura and I was in, when I was in my former role of global outreach pastor, we had this group of college students that we would walk with toward mission that Brandon and Sarah are now are walking with toward mission. And we would talk about all kinds of things in the scripture. We would talk about life. We would talk about Dating and marriage. And one of the things that we would say, and if you've been married for any length of time, you know this. If you've been single for any length of time, you know this. That in life, there are gonna be some really, really good days. And there are gonna be some really, really hard days. Some of you walked through some really good days this year, and some of you walked through some really hard days this year. And I would say to those students, on the good days and the hard days, there's nobody I would rather walk through life with than Laura Bowers. And shockingly enough, she'd say the same thing about me. I still haven't figured out why, but she says it. See, look for character that you want. But then honestly, if you are single or if you're married, and hoping your spouse might be different or hoping they might look different, that's, that's not necessarily a bad thing to do. We want the people that we're with to know Christ and follow Christ. But we spend an awful lot of time looking for the right person rather than spending an awful lot of time becoming the right person. And see, if you become the right person, whether you're single or married, you will follow Jesus and honor Jesus and exalt Jesus and be satisfied in Jesus. Don't worry about looking for the right person. Worry about becoming the right person. Conform to the image of Christ. And then finally, seek the blessing of the people of God. Church family ought to be involved in something like this. So what do we do with singleness and marriage? The answer again is that we follow Jesus right here and right now. If you're single or if you're married, the question you ought to be asking is how can I glorify Jesus through surrender, community and mission right here and right now? How can I follow Jesus through surrender, community and mission right here and right now? That's the question to ask. You can do that through our regathering team. You can do that through our launchpad children's ministry that's opened back up. You can do that through small groups. You can do it through our women's ministry, our Thursday morning men's study. You can do it through serving the many, many local partners that we have that are caring for the poor, that are caring for ladies in crisis pregnancy, that are caring for foster children and families fostering them. There are great opportunities to glorify Jesus right where you are. So, whether you're single or married, there's no restraint on you. You have freedom in Christ. And the call is to glorify Jesus right here and right now. I want to pray for us that we will do just that. Father, we humble ourselves before you. And God, we pray in the name of Jesus, that we would be a people, single and married alike, who give you glory right where we are. That we'd be a people who understand that our status is not define us, but our Savior defines us. And so we would seek to live with undivided devotion to our Savior and to our King. God, I pray for people in this room who don't, know Christ as Lord, who don't understand him as Savior, Father, that you would stir in their hearts of this truth that only Jesus Jesus can satisfy, that only he can fulfill, and that he's made peace through the blood of his cross so that we are bought with a price, and whether we're single or married, we belong to him. Help us to know this truth and help us to walk in it. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?